What would it look like to start a new podcast? How do you market your music effectively? What are the most important tools you could be taking advantage of in 2022? That's what we're going to be looking at in this episode of the New Music Industry Podcast. Returning guest to the show, Robunzo from The Unstarving Musician. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. It's great to see you. Really great to see you, too. And last time you were on the show, episode 164 in November 2019. Hard to believe. We actually have to do these yearly, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That would be good. Yeah, boy, time flies, doesn't it? It really does. And, you know, there's people that I need to have on the show yearly. I realize that this year, especially uh, one of them is being Matt Ramsey, because anytime he's on the show, his post just seems to rocket to the top, whether it's a guest post or a podcast. (laughs) And uh, he's a great friend and really, really enjoy connecting with him. But you're one of those people, too. And, you know, the really interesting part about it is there's a lot of synergy. And and I hate that word, actually. Um, I'm going to go with cross promotion opportunity. How about that? (laughs) The thing is, yeah, the thing is people that listen to my podcast, listen to your show. And I would expect it's pretty much the same that people that listen to your show, listen to my show. So it, it really, it really just makes sense that we're, that we're in conversation more frequently. I like that. What's uh, it's a deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, the theme of the show is, is a little bit about growth and really there's a few different things that you've been up to and it sounds really compelling. And one of them that especially sounds like, how are you doing that? uh, Is, is you're working on a podcast startup program. So what motivated you to set that up? Well, you know, when we were talking a little earlier, pre-record, we were talking about podcast editing and I was saying, yeah, much to my detriment, I've actually come to really love at the editing part. It's always been one of the many things I like about it. I really love the art of the interview. I know that doesn't mean something to everyone because some podcasts don't do interviews, but I know from publishing well over 200 episodes uh, between the podcasts that I've done and and having done a few things like this as well, that it ain't easy. <laughs> and I've, I talked to about um, 50 uh, podcasters and to ask them what what if anything slowed them down in getting started and mm. it's kind of as i suspected you know there's there's a fear component uh and tech is a big deal and then uh procrastination was the other frequently used word but often procrastination is goes hand in hand with fear and you and i probably both know about those maybe if not specifically from our own podcasts in the beginning, maybe from something else we've done. And uh, I think that there, there are two things, right? Anyone who can learn from another podcaster who has a, a podcast that they've sustained for over 200 episodes, gets bombarded with, you know, quality guest requests and, you know, puts out any quality um, audio and, and interviews at all, there's someone that can share, you know, some things about getting started and, uh, you know, the other thing is I just remember it's hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's hard to get going. And, you know, frankly, uh, you know, we were talking offline a little bit about uh, creating opportunities for our own ecosystems and helping others in the process. And I think this just seems like a natural fit. I really enjoy podcasting a lot. So why not? 
I resonate with that a lot. And the interesting part is I sort of made a move into that space, not not like I jumped with both feet in or anything like that. I started writing this guide, right? I was like the David Andrew Weeb guide to podcasting because, you know, people like Pat Flynn and everybody else seem to have these really definitive free guides on it. So I was just kind of copying without knowing the strategy behind it. And it turns out with people like Neil Patel, there was no strategy. He was just there to disrupt. Let me put my book online for free. Here's 30,000 words. Good luck. And <laughs> when you learn that as a, as a marketer, you're like, oh shoot, maybe I did this wrong, but it is really good for traffic and SEO. But I guess the point is I, I could have gone into this space. It's a really interesting one. And I've had requests to do various podcast related uh, services for people. And I've had the pleasure of, of learning a little bit of cash that way too. So, you know, what are some of the ways that you're looking to serve, serve the needs of new podcasters? Well, I mean, just get them past those obvious things that most of us or many of us have experienced, the things that I mentioned, you know, fear and the tech and the procrastination. Um, and also being very reminded and open to the fact that there's not just one way to do it. Uh, my way has worked really well for me, but I see a lot of other successful podcasts and some of them uber successful and they really, they have, many of us have different methodologies for doing it. I think there's a little bit of what works for us and also what makes sense for sustainability and growth. So, you know, those are some of the things I'd like to do to support. I'd also like to provide an ongoing support facet to it that's live. So I'd like to build out a library of both live and recorded uh, chapters, if you will, and then have an ongoing uh, group that students can have lifetime where we can get together. They have access to me. They have access to a, a hive mind, if you will, uh, to work through any challenges, the doubts, you know, those kind of things, and just be there to support each other and have that actually be part of the recorded uh, content as well. I've been involved in things like that. And in fact, I'm involved in something like that right now for a different type of curriculum. And I really, really like it. And I've, I've also been involved. You mentioned Pat Flynn. I've done um, one of his podcast mm. tracks as well had some great things about it, but I really think that this uh, model where I can do like a live periodic uh, Q and a or hive mind thing with students is the way that, well, I can offer the most, you know, there's going to be people that want to start a podcast and then there's going to be people that want to start a podcast. <laughs> so there's going to be people who want to make an income from what they're doing. And, you know, I'm just curious, you may or may not, but I'm just curious to know if like you have some income making wizardry, some pointers, some things you plan to show people in that regard. Well, you know, the first thing, this reminds me of another great idea I got from a program that I'm involved in, not podcast related, but is just to try to bring in students with whom I know I can work w well with and whose expectations will be in line for success um, within the program. And for me, honestly, getting into podcasting to make money is not the best reason. Now, yeah. that said, <laughs> that said, if I, um, you know, have some celebrity friend who has a built-in audience that wants my help, I'm all there for them. And they prob I probably have things to learn from them. And I could offer them some pointers. But I think it's a terrible reason to get into podcasting. I think podcasting for most of us, especially independent artists, musicians, artists of any kind who are... Um, sharing their work, sharing their ideas, 
promoting what they do, promoting what others do. It's a, it's a great vehicle, isn't it? To do that. Yeah. I, you know, I would definitely chime in and say, I have not found it to be a super highway mass transit of, of, of dump trucks full of money. It's, it's not that <laughs> you can share your offers with people, but I think the number one thing that you're going to get is like a network and connections and relationships and people that you can share stuff with and they can share stuff with you. And you can create that ongoingly when you have something new to share. You're not just announcing it on your blog. You're now announcing it to a group of people who've expressed interest in what you're up to and are curious to know when you've come up with something new. And I'll be honest and say, I haven't always been great at following up with, with everyone in that regard. I try to make people maintain a list of, uh, I call them allies. I try to maintain a list of allies who, who, you know, expressed interest that way. But reality is that's probably the biggest benefit. And as we know, the music business is definitely about relationships. And I'm sure you've created a lot of great connections and now have a Rolodex that some people would envy. Totally. And I love the idea that you're, um, you know, you have this list that you are endeavoring to be very intentional with, you know, these allies. Uh, because, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was slow. I have to admit, I was slow with the let's. So I'm really funny with my email list. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of people are pretty quick to stick us on their email list if they've had any kind of relationship with us at all, no matter how yeah. thin. And I really don't like that because I, no. I want people who are genuinely interested. And so consequently, I was slow to bring my, to ask my guests to be part of a special list to stay in touch with them because I value their opinions on, you know, music and podcasting and business and all this stuff and, and share things with them occasionally that I, you know, that I think they'll benefit from. And the funny thing is you guys that come on uh, to my show, I often walk around thinking, well, they've got it all figured out. But I know that's not true when I really take a step back and I talk to you again and again and again. You have a lot of things figured out. I've got a few things figured out, but together, you know, we can do a lot more. Yeah, I can also tell you from experience that adding people haphazardly to your email list just doesn't work. We actually, with Music Entrepreneur HQ, had to segment out an audience, you know, which we they often talk about in marketing and business anyway. You're supposed to have segments in your email list. And so that is kind of best practice. But there was one really distinctly different interest from all of the others. And that was when I wrote a book review about Dr. Joseph Murphy's The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And it was just cl so clearly a different audience coming to our site to check that out. And it was our biggest blog post too. And it was like, well, my gosh, what do I do about this? And I couldn't find, I couldn't find coaching on it and I couldn't find anything helpful or resource in terms of what, what do you do when success happens sort of unexpectedly <laughs> in weird places. And I think finally someone just said at a, at a marketing networking event or something like that. Somebody just said, well, that's where the opportunity is. And I was like, hmm, okay. So what would it look like to lean into it? And again, it took a little while to formulate, but one thing we did was eventually just put those people who are subscribing or coming to get the lead magnet to get onto a different list than our, than our main list. And then more recently, it's like, okay, we're, sh we're sharing book reviews with them. We're sharing articles with them about the subconscious mind and other book recommendations they might be interested in checking out for themselves. And so we have like almost a small niche biz side business in, in the realm of the subconscious mind that's running alongside what we do in the music business. And it's a really, really fascinating case study. That's great. I am. Um... Yeah, this is something I've kind of struggled with as well, and it's it's in the back of my mind weekly, the whole segmentation thing, and um, I've yet to sit down and really plan that out. I've, I've kind of done some of the pre-work, like I'm tagging people. Uh, they're ready to be tagged, so I kind of know... 
I, I have some idea of the interest of the audience. Not entirely, though, so I'll have to, you know, survey again and sort of make and go through and identify the ones that I know uh, some things about. But yeah, it's it's a good it's a good good move you're making. Oh, thank you. It's uh yeah, it's a technical and sometimes frustrating thing. I totally get that figuring out your email list. And you know, one thing I'm sure everyone would be curious to know is it a little late to jump in the podcast game or not? You know, I. I love talking about this. It's funny. I always feel like a late adopter. And in reality, when did I start podcasting? Like around 216, 2016, sorry. Mm. And um, I, there came a time where I thought oh, I was kind of late to this party, but it's, it's not true at all. And when you look at, um, when you get some insight, some deep insight into the, the stats, if you will, of the entire podcasting ecosystem, um, there's some huge number, I don't have them memorized, there's some huge number of podcasts that exist in the ecosystem. And there's this tiny fraction of active podcasts. So there's a, and there's a lot of dead, a lot of that, the rest of them are literally dead. <laughs> yeah. So if those numbers are something that concern you, well, there's like 5 billion podcasts in the ecosystem. Why should I get in now? It's, well, there's a lot of dead, dead stuff in there that hopefully will go away someday to sort of help the overall stats of the, of the business. But again, it's a great way to get your work out there, get your ideas, help others get their ideas out there. It's a great way to create some new content, a great place from which you can repurpose content and just build mm -hmm. content around. And uh, no, it's not too late. And I, I love the idea of um, artists, musicians, you know, business people starting them to nurture some of the relationships that you're talking about. So absolutely not. I don't think it's too late. And it turns out I wasn't, I wasn't a late adopter. And that us that's usually what I find out. I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm never on the bleeding edge, never on the bleeding edge, but I am generally an early adopter at it, even though I know when did, you know, I think it definitely single digits of, of the odds, uh, you know, well, of the odds, uh, 2006 and even way earlier, podcasting was becoming pretty huge, right? And here we are about to enter 22 <laughs> and it's yeah. still, it's still big and it's growing. I don't have all the stats off the top of my head. So our listeners can definitely go and Google them, but I do know that most podcasts die after 20 episodes or less uh, or less. There's probably maybe 20 to 30% of shows that are actually active, like still active and going with new episodes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just crazy to think, you know, and, and the other stat is just basically that things have been booming in the last, what, two, three years, maybe five years with podcasts. Yeah. It's been a long, long, long trek. And it's just now starting to get into people's consciousness, like something like 80% of people in the U.S. know what a podcast is. I think the stat was something along those lines. And, and that's climbing, right? So there's an awareness. Yeah. Oh boy. Awareness is a big thing too. And I think that's another reason to bring more, uh, podcasters who want to do something with sustainability into the, into the ecosystem, because there is still a huge lack of awareness, which I think, uh, speaks to the opportunity. I mean, podcasting is, you could arguably say, I, I, I don't want to compare it to radio, but it is kind of the new radio in a way, yeah. the new talk radio, if you will. And there's just a ton of people that don't even know how to 
listen to one. And, you know, so we all need help in, in, in spreading the gospel about how to get podcasts <laughs> and why you should look for your area of interest in the ecosystem. I remember when I was a kid, I just thought that was the coolest thing. We would, you know, take a tape recorder with us everywhere and we would do really stupid things like record, you know, bur burping contests and things like that. <laughs> but part of it was like, this idea of creating your own show and having some music in there. And, and, you know, it's, it's sort of fun having come to this point of, of publishing well over 300. I might, I might be up to 400 combined episodes across a few different shows and, and, and mediums and things like that. Amazing. Yeah. And, and going like, it's been a lot of fun to create my own show and it's been a hell of a lot of work. That's one of the things that you already said earlier. It's just unreal how much goes into it. My tip would be if you can, Two things you want to outsource as soon as possible with podcasting. One of them is editing your show. And then the other is transcripts. You don't want to be writing your own transcripts. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. And and they're they're great to have too. I'm kind of in a lull with those. As a matter of fact, I was um, having them done for a while, but I still, you know, there's still some cleanup and that arguably can be outsourced as well. Just like, um, obviously there are great companies that will produce them for you. You know, sometimes you got to have somebody go, you really need to have somebody go through them, even though before they go out and make sure they are as good as they can be. Yeah. I love the topic of podcasts and I'm glad we got to talk about it. And, you know, I talk about publishing as one of the four ways to get traffic on the internet. There's only four. <laughs> and Dan Kennedy would even say the internet itself is one channel, but, uh, you know, got publishing, advertising affiliates and, uh, what was the other one? Dream 100. So basically what we're doing right now, connecting with people in the industry and, and appearing on each other's shows. That's your, that's your dream 100 approach. So nice. publishing is, is like, if you're not publishing, I'm not saying everyone should do it. I'm not even saying everyone should do it all the time or consistently or, or daily, but you are missing out on one source of traffic for sure. If you're not publishing and social media for me falls under publishing too. You're just, you're putting something out there and sharing it with the world. So yeah. And I would say most musicians are are doing that. Yeah. So really love getting to the, to this topic and, you know, we want to cover a little bit of music as well. You've, you've released a couple of singles earlier this year. That's really cool. And, you know, tell us a little about those singles. Oh, sure. Um, so you may recall, I'm mostly a drummer all my life. Yes. Um, I, early in my music endeavors, um, you know, decades ago, I, I, I played a little guitar and I set it down for a really long time, came to Panama without one. I sold the one I had. And, um, in the time that we've been here, I started doing some music with a couple of friends here and, uh, one of them moved, but he left me with a guitar that he had. Um, he fixed up, a um, I call it a cheap guitar. He fixed up a cheap guitar for me. He knew I wanted to, to start playing again. So I did. And, and I wrote uh, my first uh, single using, I jokingly say using every chord I know, uh, but it came out nice. Um, I did it remotely with some friends, a couple of friends, one of them who's a great producer, uh, or I should say engineer and great with mastering and, uh, both great players. So I had, uh, myself in Panama, a guy in the San Francisco Bay area and another one in the Dallas, uh, Fort Worth area of Texas. So that's kind of fun. Did that. And then, um, and actually I started that working that whole process started including you know amassing a little bit of gear for recording an acoustic drum set at home um that started at, right at the outside of the pandemic and i honestly can't recall if it was the pandemic that drove me to just get started on it or it was sheer coincidence i want to say it was coincidence but i should probably look back at the records for that <laughs> and then um but before uh before 
the uh, this this year had come around, I had started working on another one. Uh, but this time, I did. Uh, I used a collaborator who had written this great keyboard part that reminded me of prog rock. And I actually found him on one of these online collaboration platforms. Um, the, this one is called Compose with a with a K and a Z, <laughs> hmm. and they've got an ecosystem of musicians who everyone in this particular system has a DAW at home, so they can upload um, recordings and like ask for people to contribute things. And so that relationship started that way. We ended up um, so I ended up writing the lyrics for that, doing the drums, of course, and um, tweaking the arrangement of the song. Had the same other two guys who played on my first single on it play on it, and. Uh, I, the, the sound was was lovely, um, so now I sit in. They're both um, kind of rock pop, and uh, I call the latter one my my ode to prog rock. Uh, but now I'm sitting in a place where, well, the year's almost over. My my crowd, my audience is getting bored. I need to <laughs> I need to write <laughs> something new. So so that's where I'm at today. But nice. um, but the whole thing was such a learning experience. I mean, the fun part was learning the recording. I think, and then you know, when you get your finished product and then it's like writing a book, then the work starts when you finish the song, right? And you're yeah. trying to figure out. And, and arguably music is more complicated, at least in my memory, than publishing a book, getting your music just distributed. And then, as you know, there are these, um, arguably there are more distribution channels. Maybe that's not fair, but it seems like there are more distribution and marketing channels uh, for music than there are for books. That may not be a fair statement, but it's a lot of stuff, right? So yeah. that, that was a real um, eye opener. I didn't, I didn't of course think I was going to conquer every aspect of that. Mm. Um, so that'll be like when I do the next ones, it's something I think I've been thinking about a lot on top of the fact that, all right, I got to come up with a new song guitar player of what feels like about two and a half years, um, come up with a new a new song, but that's definitely been in, in the in the back of my mind. And you know, thank God for the podcast. Um, or should I say, thank God's for the podcast uh, <laughs> because I've gotten so many sort of great tips and things to follow, new rabbit holes to go down yeah. <laughs> when it comes yeah. to the next one um, and talking to people. And then the program that I'm involved in now has been really been helping me loads with building my own fan base and working towards income. So that's definitely going to be a head start on the next one that I record. I guess this is a bit of a side conversation, but you did bring up the pandemic. So I'm wondering how, what are your experience of that has been like, has it like boosted your productivity? Has things stayed about the same or have you had some challenges and difficulties navigating that? What has sort of been the, um, the silver lining of it all? I don't want to be political or ruffle anybody's feathers, but I think the silver right. lining of it all is what, <laughs> Uh, happened technologically with vaccines um, mm. uh, over the course of this pandemic. It was truly remarkable if you look into that or if you haven't, it's pretty amazing. But um, for me personally, you know, I, I, I had a lot of struggles um, that I'm still reflecting on. Mm. And I think they, you know, the problem for me was a lot of the pandemic tapped into my um, innate antisocial side. <laughs> and Tell that's not good it. for any of us. Right. Um, I fortunately, as far as the creative work that I do, most of it's been home-based anyway. Um, mm. Like a lot of people, I well, and as far as gigs went, a lot of people would just maybe hate me for saying this, but for me, it was an opportunity to step out of them for a while, uh, and I need, just needed that personally. And it gave me an excuse. Yes, it did give me an excuse to learn um, to record an acoustic drum set at home and to work with um, an engineer and other musicians and, you know, I, I suppose 
at least one of those other guys was kind of figuring it out too. So that was a treat. Um, but yeah, I think as a podcaster who talks to a lot of independent musicians, there's, there was a lot of heartbreaking yeah. stories, you know, the, the gigs lost. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of us, as you know, really thrive, not maybe not just as part of our income, but just as part of who we are being able to play, uh, the shows that we play. And so I suppose, you know, I love performing. I've always said that, but I suppose I was lucky, luckily at a place in time where I didn't mind the break. I'm kind of ready to get back. So I think things are working mm -hmm. out, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, uh, the other thing I will say is my wife and I are really lucky to live in a, in a beach community, somewhat rural, not exactly, but it's a little open space. And that was conducive to a community that's a community that by and large has stayed healthy. And, you know, I know there were a lot of people all over the world who weren't even permitted to move about in front of their homes very much during certain times yeah. of the pandemic. And that didn't really happen to us. Although we did have a period of time where there were no alcohol sales because of the pandemic. And we were actually allowed to go out and do our shopping on alternate day, alternate days by gender, which was weird, but oddly enough, that wasn't, in in retrospect, it wasn't that big a deal. What's been happening in North America is sort of on the sane side, even though at times it has certainly appeared completely insane. And what's happening in Australia right now, if you look into it, there's something going completely haywire there. And I'm not saying that applies to all the world. Obviously, there's there's a reason why it's happening there and in this moment, but it's just crazy what uh, what's been unfolding. And I'll say too, like for me, it was, it's been a roller coaster ride. It hasn't been like predominantly good and it hasn't been predominantly bad. I've, I've been able to get a lot of things done, be productive. And, and like you say, maybe not antisocial, but yeah, it's forced me inside a lot more than, than potentially I would even want to be. The downside was just burning out in, in September of, of last year. So yeah, just taking things a little bit too far with my daily efforts. And, you know, I guess sometimes when you're listening to certain marketers and how they go about their days, you're like, how do you get it all done? And then you, you go and try to pull these 16 hour days and you're like, well, if I didn't have a you know freelancing career and a business to run and, and everything else going on in my life, I might be able to do all that. But, but, but yeah, if, if you're a one man show or mostly a one man show and, and you already have your other commitments, I just don't, yeah, I wouldn't recommend anyone going that route. It's it's sustainability and consistency for sure. Well, I'm I'm glad you you know, made it through, survived the burnout, and that's a, certainly yeah. a thing for us from all from time to time. And uh, we just have to remind ourselves that every puts everyone puts on their best uh, shiny side when we talk about the work that we're doing, and and if we are massively <laughs> yeah. productive as we claim to be, on top of optimizing our lives, maybe we're doing it at the expense of our health, right? So. Definitely something to look out for and, and to examine. And I know that was a theme when we talked a couple of years ago too, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what was your approach to writing lyrics? Was that something kind of new to you as a drummer? Um, no, well, writing is not. So I'm a right. uh, liberal arts English major and have <laughs> spent a lot of time in marketing as well as technology. And yeah, so, so writing's always writer. been around, right? Yeah. But I wasn't writing, um, you know, I've never written fiction for the sake of writing fiction and have only a little bit of prose, but uh, I had the good fortune, I will say, just in case anybody wants to try something similar out. Uh, and there are, you know, these things take many forms, but there uh, is a, a gal that lives in our area, 
Canadian, who she was a school teacher in her past life, but she does writer's workshops. And she's a writer and a published author. And she has this amazing outdoor space that she calls Tranquilo Retreat. And prior to the pandemic, she actually had a thing on Airbnb where writers could come and just write there. Um, and uh, I would go to those, a really small group. She's got this cool system of, um, you know, reading what we're doing and providing positive feedback. And so both of my songs actually... Uh, the, the lyrics for my songs began there. They were conceived at those workshops. <laughs> Today, I mean, uh, I would do those workshops any day of the of the week um, for writing a song. But I mean, today, having gone through it, I think I, I probably could. Uh, I'm sure I could do my next one, even if I was here in the in the silo. But uh, I strong, you know, man, a workshop of any kind, be it songwriting or for fiction writing, is is great for getting those sort mm-hmm. of creative ideas out there. And what's the most important marketing lessons you've learned with your singles? I guess two things. I was really reminded that audience and relationships is, are everything. And uh, it is a, uh, it's a process, as you said uh, to me today, as a matter of fact, you know, it's a process that happens over time. Um, and there are great frameworks out there for us to, mm. to build an audience online and extend that out into the real, into our real lives. And, uh, it's a process, man. And, you know, one thing I got a kick out of this week is I think it's hard for a lot of us who feel who maybe we've gotten some great press coverage. Maybe we're gigging out the wazoo, you know, we're, we're getting nominated for this and that on radio. And then we sort of backtrack a little bit to, to get to some basics of audience building and we sometimes, I think, can even let ourselves feel embarrassed that, like, wow, I have all this great press coverage. Why am I having to do this? You know, but it's just, I guess it's one of those silly things that our ego does to us. And we just have to step aside and, you know, have one of our best friends say, look, I didn't know who you were before we met, <laughs> you know, for however <laughs> we met. So, you know, we just have to get over ourselves and, and, uh, maybe take a look back at some of the steps we missed along the way. That's, those are the biggest things I learned. Yeah. Hollow success is something that I'm intimately acquainted with. and I never want to step over anything I've accomplished, whether it's becoming a best-selling author or an award-winning composer this year. And those have been really cool, really amazing opportunities. But I think, you know, the reality versus expectation of it is so different. And and I can see a lot of these leading to long-term results, I absolutely like, am I going to get called up to do more composing work? Of course I am. Right. It's only natural, but has my phone been ringing off the hook? No, not even like not even close. Right. It's been mostly dead silence. And so it's, it's just really easy to get it. Even though you're not like necessarily even looking at this situation objectively, it's really easy to get into that space of like, huh, just another hollow success. I guess it's going to take something else for me to be a a success uh, in something that I, that I'm, dedicated my life to. Uh, And that's, you know, that's not a place to dwell for sure. Oh yeah. And we have to use those successes. We have to leverage them to keep on doing that thing. We have to do to sell anything, get our music out there, get our voice out there. And that is marketing, marketing, marketing. And those little, those great achievements that you mentioned that you've received, those are fantastic tools for you to use. Obviously, you know this, but you know, we have yep. to remind ourselves sometimes as these are just tools that I can use to uh, bring awareness to the work that I've done and that I'm doing. 
Yeah, exactly right. I love that. And you never want to lose sight of that. I think a lot of musicians do the hard work of going and getting press, but then fail to continue to use it. If you have a great quote from Gene Simmons, that marketing could potentially last you a lifetime. So you don't, you don't want to look at it as throwaway. You don't want to look at it as like, we got that quote 12 years ago. You want to continue to use it and just reinforce the branding and, and the support that, that you already have in a big way. Absolutely. Couldn't agree yeah. more. <laughs> and what roadblocks have you worked on overcoming? Oh, wow. You surprised me with that one, I think. Um, or did I, did I say you should ask me about that? <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the things in your That's notes, funny. actually. Yeah. You know, I think we were talking about this earlier, and I don't know if it was for this conversation or another one, but tracking uh, the successes, the small ones, um, which is um, speaks to something that you and I did talk about or also talked about earlier, which is really um, mm. being methodical about uh, defining and tracking our goals and milestones, and then going back and looking at what was actually accomplished and celebrating that stuff. And I, that's been... Those have been really hard things for me, and I think um, I've, I've been called out on my confidence issues um, as a musician, as a singer, actually, mm. recently by a singer mm. that I really admire, actually by a couple people. They, they basically you know, did what felt like an intervention to me, and I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. Um, so those have been huge. I I'm, feel like I'm, have had, <laughs> I've had some breakthroughs. <laughs> I've had some breakthroughs on those, but Correct. no, they were really, they were wake-up calls. Um, Really big wake up calls. I think those were huge for me. And I'm sure if I think about it, I have a long list of other blocks I need to work on in 2022. So may we uh, talk about this again and I can share another dozen that I crushed in, in the following year. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, we all know, um, and I think this is maybe ties into what you're saying, but like we all, the, the microphones in the studios, they can pick up your thoughts. Never mind, you know, your voice, right? What you're saying or not saying. It's like it's, it's starting to pick up your thoughts. So you, you, when you don't sing or you don't approach your instrument confidently, somehow, some way, it comes across, even if the performance was somehow perfect. <laughs> that's it's the, true, man. That's the funniest thing. And again, sort of interrupting the flow of it, um, you know, what you talked about, what you said about marketing, the thing that I wanted to add in there was that, you know, it's called promotion. And you, when you split that into two, you get pro and motion. Pro is being an advocate for and also means affirmative. And motion is action and activity. So affirmative action, affirmative activity. You are affirming that this thing that you've created matters and being in action about it. So I definitely, yeah, thank you. Um, Two questions before we wrap this one up and these are just really fun ones. What's your tool stack? You know, we talked about podcasting. I know you have a website, you have a marketing plan. So obviously you're utilizing some interesting technology to make that all work for you. What, what, what are some things that uh, are, would you consider essential? Okay, so like two things I can't live without, right? That's what you made me think of immediately. Yeah, I can't live without one of them is routine. Um, I'm a creature. Nice. Of, I'm a creature of I routine, like and uh, you know the wonderful thing about routine too is we can always tweak it, right? But um, I'm, I happen to be a morning person, so it's it mm-hmm. starts out with the minutia. Well, thankfully, the dog has a specific part of my routine dialed in first thing in the morning, and that's to get out and get some <laughs> sunshine and walk with him. 
and uh, both me and my wife. And then, you know, it's little stuff like coming in and exercising. And my one that I make fun of, making the bed every day is a big thing for me. You know, hey, at least I got that done. And uh, I ritual, I, I have a whole ritual over coffee. But, you know, I, I, I mention these silly things, but they're a very consistent part of my day. And they sort of give me these, I heard... Um, I hope I think I'll think of it. Remember his name before we get off here. But a famous author um, talk about these little tiny, tiny little things that we do that sort of give us this subliminal sense of success first first thing in the morning, right? right. And then we can move into those other things that are very, very specifically related to the tasks at hand. And so I do uh, try to keep all those things in um, a good sense of routine. I've been married to my calendar for a long time, so those are mm-hmm. huge. But the other thing I can't live without is is team and talking to you today oh, actually man. earlier I believe before this conversation it's a, a a word I heard a couple of times from you at least uh team and mm-hmm. we were talking about the different uh forms that team can take and I can't live without these people because they are soundboard they uh, you know call me out on things or they help me see things I can't see. They give me great ideas. They encourage me. They ask me why I'm not celebrating sometimes, (laughs) you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff is huge. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Routine and team. I can't imagine better tools than that. The whiteboard comes close. It's pretty good, but I love the whiteboard. (laughs) I I don't even have one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I don't currently just cause like I never saw myself living here permanently. The the idea was to travel the world and then we know what happened. So I'm not, I'm not prepared to travel the world, the world being what it is right now. (laughs) Uh, So I'm staying put, but yeah, I think we should both get whiteboards in 22. I love it. Let's do it. The 2022 (laughs) challenge. (laughs) And then I wanted to wrap up with this. What are you most excited about right now? Whether it's a resource, a tool, or just what you've got going on in your career and what you're creating next? Yeah. Well, this last week I got um, a sizable donation to support the Unstarving Musician, which was really exciting. Oh man, so good. Yeah. It came from some really nice folks too. Mm. And um, that was great. And that, that was a pleasant surprise, and when I think about it, though, it was a really um, there was a long relationship behind it, and uh, that, that was great. That's a really good feeling. I like talking about it, and um, boy, I got re-energized about the podcast um, hmm. again because uh, yesterday I I literally had a performer, a singer, songwriter uh, in tears telling me for the first time that. She had been listening to my podcast, you know, episodes, you know, episode after episode, doing some work that she didn't really want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'd, she'd really like to just be doing her music, but she was, tr- me, you know, trying to meet some obligations. And uh, she was just telling me, you know, it, it helped me feel connected to music. And some of your guests have these amazing ideas. And, ah, oh, man, that you sometimes you just don't know, do you? Like, who's listening? And no. then somebody just out of the blue does that for you. And then lastly, um, we're, my wife and I are planning to move to Mexico in the new year. Wow. And, um, so I'm currently in a, a, a recording space that is challenging, not acoustically, but I, I'm just not in a place where I have music lovers all around me. So recording an acoustic drum set is not, this is not the place to be. So when we move, I'm planning to rectify that. So that's going to be super exciting. I'll be able to create a lot of cool content, including some new songs. So that's super exciting. That's really awesome. You know, ever so often I get those notes too, maybe monthly, maybe every couple of months, but yeah, you realize that you're really making a difference and serving people. 
And sometimes that's not easy to see when you're just dealing with the the stresses of life. Like, okay, I got to take care of my financial situation. And when that's not going well, I got to take care of my health. And when that's not going, <laughs> when that's going well, I have to go look at my relationship. And, and that's the way life works though, ultimately. And you come to recognize that there's no way to have all your ducks in a row. And if they are, they just poop in the same spot. So there's still a mess to clean up. <laughs> yeah. And thanks to people like you, I mean, that have been on my podcast and, um, you know, invite me for conversations like this because these are super inspiring every, every time, every time. Mm. Well, it's been really great having you, Rabunzo, and let's make a point of talking again soon. I'm excited to go eat something because I've been intermittent fasting today. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. And enjoy your meal. Bon appetit. All right. Thank you. Did you pick up your copy of the Music Entrepreneur Code 2022 edition yet? If you got the original edition, then I understand why you might not be rushing over to Amazon to grab this. But there are some new things in there, especially on the opportunity side, that make it quite compelling. And if you don't already have a copy, well, this is the definitive version of the Music Entrepreneur Code. Think of it this way. You would be supporting the podcast with your purchase. So go to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash code 2022 to pick up your copy. I hope you've been enjoying the holiday season and I want to wish you a happy new year. This has been episode 259 of the New Music Industry Podcast. I'm David Andrew Weeb and I look forward to seeing you on the stages of the world. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. <laughs>